Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Clearly, God spoke to my inner spirit, Wayne. I want to use you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with religious people that don't know me personally. And that's been my lifelong calling, to share the gospel of grace of salvation to church people. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Peck. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Todd Isburner. And I'm Wendy Pett. And Wendy, I got to just start real quickly on something here. I know it's a distraction what we're going to go here, but did you find your car keys? What? Did you, Am I did missing you find them? your car keys? I, I didn't know I was missing them. Did I, did I lose my car uh, keys? You know, not actually this time, but I'm, oh. I, can, I can guarantee you <laughs> it's, not, no, it's not going to be <laughs> very long before you do. And then we're both going to have these moments of anxiety. We're going to have to try to find your keys and probably end up in your purse. Okay. So what you're saying is today's podcast is all about how not to lose your keys? Uh, you know, I actually wish it was that simple, but uh, no, it's on a much more serious note, actually, of what happens when we experience a very hurtful loss and then how we break through to find opportunities that God can provide through that loss. Yeah. And whether it's been the loss of a loved one, a job, and a pet, or even a future dream cut short, everyone has to deal with some kind of loss at some point in their lives. Yeah, true. And how you handle it is going to be the difference between prolonged pain and resentment or discovering new opportunities and freedom. Yeah. So today's guest is uh, Wayne Peterson, and he has dealt with a loss, actually several losses, and is going to share his stories of how he got through them and what he learned in the process. But why don't you read his bio? Well, let's learn a little bit about Wayne Peterson, uh, an old, old friend of mine that goes way back in the radio days. I have to preface that because who knows what's going to Another radio up. guy. How I fun know. Is this? I, it's like the good old boys club. <laughs> so you'll fit right in, Wendy. I oh, promise you. Okay, thanks. So Wayne actually started his career in 1967. He was an announcer on KTIS in Minneapolis. And I remember that so well because I had just become a new Christian and somebody told me to tune into KTIS and there was Wayne in the afternoons. I loved his okay, show. It's not about you. Keep reading his Okay. Bio. Sorry about that. But, <laughs> but um, it's exciting. He, he's also producer of a number of shows on the Skylight Satellite Radio Network, one of the first satellite networks in the country. And uh, he became manager then of KTIS, then was promoted executive vice president for media at uh, University of Northwestern in, in uh, St. Paul. And during that time, he also served on the board of the National Religious Broadcasters, very influential group. And then in 2004, Wayne was uh, recruited by Moody Bible Institute, that's uh, in Chicago, and he was manager of WMBI. After that, he was promoted then to president of broadcasting for Moody, and he was uh, overseeing their 37 radio stations. So quite a large task of responsibility. Four years later, uh, God called Wayne to serve the world of global media as the president of uh, HCJB, and that's a mouthful. So they changed their name to (laughs) Reach Beyond and 
they were uh, they had planted over 500 radio stations around the globe, and they're wow. still going strong. Well, in 2016, Wayne uh, he stepped aside. And uh, he then started to serve as a liaison, a consultant, a media spokesperson, a public speaker for a number of international ministries, including Far Eastern Broadcasting. And uh, Wayne continues that very important work. He's on a number of boards and committees and just like busier than he was, I think, ever before. And his wife and he, Willie, they reside in Colorado Springs. He's got two daughters. Beautiful adult daughters. Daughters have given him nine grandchildren mm-hmm. in uh, Wyoming and Minnesota. Yeah. So welcome, Wayne, to your biggest breakthrough. We are so glad to have you. Well, thank you. This is a lot of fun to reconnect. Uh, Todd and I have been uh, partners for many, many years yeah. and one of my most valued friends over the years. Oh. And uh, went to getting to know you. And uh, we just have so many things in common, uh, lifestyle things and our faith in Christ, of course, and uh, our love for others and our love for God. So this is a special treat for me. Oh, yeah. We just love you and Willie. Um, and I, thank you for coming on. And and I just want to jump right out of the gate here because I know we're going to hear about uh, the stories about your losses and your lessons. But first, I'm really curious, when you were growing up, um, did life prepare you in some way on how to face these losses? Because it seems that for most we're just really not prepared and it just hits us, right? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I grew up very happy kid, had a happy family life on a dairy farm in northern Minnesota and throwing hay bales and shoveling grain and other unmentionable things we had to shovel on the farm. <laughs> now, wait a minute. This, Let me guess. This, this, is the, this is the international radio icon telling you where his roots are from, and I love that. <laughs> uh, but uh, growing up in the country, you know, I mean, it was just wonderful, small town. After my first year in at the university, my mom passed away of cancer. She'd been battling cancer hmm. for um, two or three years. And uh, she was 44 when she died. I was 19. Mm. And I was the oldest of five kids. And uh, losing your mom changes your life. I mean, it changes your personality and your perspective because she was the humble prayer warrior, encourager, nurturer kind of person. I just loved my mom. Mm. And now, uh, you know, she she was gone. She suffered so much. And to be in the arms of Jesus was a good thing for her. But I, I finished my degree at the, at the U, and you know we'll get more into that as well. So in a way, as I look back with some of the other losses, that loss at the age of 19 taught me something mm. about the unexpected left turns that come into our life mm. that we have to somehow adjust to and decide how we're going to go down that road. Yeah, that was like your crash course, because I'm thinking – when you were younger, you didn't have a Bible class on how to handle loss. You didn't have somebody tutor you on what would happen when you have a loss. There wasn't it, a it Facebook group you know, <laughs> right. Doesn't no. it seem, I mean, we, we, we get smacked in the face with a loss. And then if we're not prepared on how to handle it, we've got to get it figured out. And that's, that's what I love about you being our guest today, because we're all going to face some loss. It's going to hit us sometime when we least expect it. So how do we begin that that preparation for the unexpected and going through that process? Well, fortunately, I grew up in a very strong Bible-teaching, evangelical country Lutheran church. You know what happens in small communities? You get a group around you. I mean, when my mom died, I mean, our table was piled with food. The neighbors and the friends and people from church supported Mm -hmm. us. So that was an important grounding. Uh, My mentors as a teenager were old guys that went to our church that taught me what a life of faith and holy living was all about. 
And I was blessed with two wonderful Christian parents that uh, guided me. But uh, And I had a great youth group that we supported one another. So having people around me, uh, mm. godly peers and uh, respected elders was really actually a very, very big part of my spiritual foundation for what would come next. Yeah, there's something to be said about true community that comes mm-hmm. together yeah. and just sits with you during the time of, of grief and loss. They don't have to say a word, but just to be with you. And that's a beautiful thing. I was just thinking too, um, you know, for parents who, who have got little kids, they're going to lose something, right? And whatever that is that they lose, it's going to be precious to them. I wonder if it doesn't open up a teaching opportunity. Oh, you mean the little kid that loses yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, the little yeah, kid yeah, that yeah. loses something uh-huh. for, for the parent to begin to open up that that avenue of uh, just teaching them some valuable things about how to handle their little loss, right? Because we're, they're going to experience a series of them growing up. Yeah, sometimes I think we uh, shield our kids too much. We want to protect them. We want to defend off all the problems we don't always do our kids a service when we protect them from trials and loss and uh, challenges, rather while they're under our roof to teach them how to deal with these things as they come along. The world is a, is a rugged place. It's, it's, it's crazy out there. Yeah. And the more we can prepare our kids uh, while we have them in our home for the onslaughts on their faith they'll fa- face at the university or in the w- world of work, mm. uh, we do a better job if we can help them know how to face those kinds of challenges. Yeah, well said. I, w- I wonder if what you just said is um, kind of what we're seeing uh, the repercussions of, I guess, in the world today of of the generation that had uh, children and they they're now in their you know twenties thirties and they are um, yeah not not handling life the way uh, I guess most would in a healthy fashion and I, and I guess that's a judgment <laughs> but I'm just seeing there could have been so, something to do with how the parents raise them that that's why mm-hmm. the world is the way it is right now. Well, and look at what the, what kids have had to deal with this past year. Right. Uh, no high yeah. school, college graduations, no proms, yes. uh, yeah. no championship football games, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. And plus working at school alone uh, with a computer screen in front of you, the isolation, the lack of hope. And uh, the kids that have been adequately prepared with a strong support group have survived or even thrived. But those that haven't had that, we're having an epidemic of teenage young adult depression and suicide today because they have not been conditioned to how to face trials when they come along. So two things you mentioned earlier that have just kind of stuck with me, and and one is you you have to develop a relationship with God, and and you have mm-hmm. to come to a place of knowing that He's trustworthy. That's that's key to handling a loss because everybody kind of wants to get it all figured out. And sometimes you're just not able to. And then the second thing was just this idea of community a strong family or church or, or group that you can really tap into who are supporting you along the way. I mean, those are key ingredients, Wayne. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so Wayne, um, tell us about the loss of your wife, Norma. Well, I had a fabulous marriage with Norma. Todd knew her well. She often traveled with us. She was this sweet, quiet, humble, loving Norwegian girl that uh, we went to high school. We were high school sweethearts. We started dating when uh, I was a senior in high school. Well, and you didn't you didn't grow up in some major metropolitan area. We're talking about a tiny, tiny little town. <laughs> so, Fertile Minnesota, population nine hundred. Fertile nine hundred? So, Seriously? So I, wow. <laughs> They weren't fertile enough, I guess, to grow the population any more than that. But 
So it was slim pickings for everybody, but uh, God brought the two of you together. Yeah, we did. We uh, four, we dated for four years, and we lived in Minneapolis. Here's the thing about Norma. She was a good listener, and she was compassionate. Uh, she was strong spiritually, had a solid foundation. And if you would meet her in 20 minutes, you would feel you were her best friend mm. because she was a good listener. She focused entirely on you. As a result, she didn't share much of herself, but she would focus on the other person. Mm. So she gained many, many friendships through that. We had a strong marriage. It wasn't always smooth, but it was strong. And the last two years of her life, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, we grew even more close as we walked through the journey of cancer together. But I was blessed with a wonderful, wonderful partner for all those years. And even as I taught, as I moved from place to place, first to Washington, D.C., mm. and then California, and then Colorado. and Don't forget Chicago. You've been all over the place. Chicago. And <laughs> Norma would say, remember, wherever God leads you, I'm with you. I mean, that's Aww. the kind of person she was. Yeah. Wow. I, I just got to stop there for a moment because um, because I, did, I, I knew the two of you so well for so many years. You really did have one of those model marriages. And that doesn't mean everything was rosy, hunky-dory all the time. But but what what were the key components of having such a happy, fulfilling marriage? Well, we had a lot in common because we grew up in the same community and we're in youth group together. So we were friends, actually, uh, before we became lovers, so, yeah. so to speak, yeah. and before we were romantic. And uh, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, there was a lot of... Uh, um, mutual respect, and mm. she respected my giftedness. I actually had to learn to respect her giftedness about being a people person, and uh, but respected one another in that. And uh, she had a strong desire to serve the Lord no matter where, mm. no matter when, no matter what. She was so flexible in that way. She was very devoted to her parents. And so uh, we had all those ingredients of a, of a relationship that really worked and we could talk to each other about anything we prayed together regularly yeah, yeah. you really Love the were friends first oh part. seriously yeah. i was just yeah, thinking absolutely. you guys showed that friendship i you know wayne and i we, we had some trips together had to travel together and uh i i can remember how important it was for you to make sure you were always touching base with your wife but it wasn't like a five-minute conversation these guys would go on for an hour hour and a half like oh my golly all right already <laughs> but because you you, you were such good friends you talked yeah. about everything yeah. so you were so close to her. And I know that you had plans uh, together as a couple that once you retired, you're going to go see the world. And then this thing happened. Tell us about that. Yeah. in it was in, uh, we had been to Malaysia and Indonesia and Singapore. We came back from that trip and this would have been May of 2013. And she had a big swollen tummy. We thought it was a, you know, tummy bug of some kind that you can pick up in that part of the world. And it didn't go away. And on Memorial Day weekend, we went up to the farm to see her mom and dad. Her mom looked at her and said, Norma, you need to see a doctor. She knew right away something was wrong. So we drove back immediately to Colorado Springs, saw our doctor. They did an MRI. And turns out she had uh, stage 3C ovarian cancer. And so three days later, she was in surgery, had the, you know, had, had the operation, a lot of things taken out, and then three and a half months of, of uh, radiation treatment and uh, chemo. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, she was doing really well. If you remember by October when she was done, she was doing well. We were traveling again and we spent a week in California and a week in Florida, Naples, Florida. And uh, NRB of uh, 2014, she was doing well, you know, having to rest occasionally. And uh, on the way back from NRB, she went to Minnesota. I went back to Colorado and joined her a week later. And she said, Wayne, I don't know what's going on. I hardly eat anything and I'm gaining weight. Uh, I I spoke at a church in St. Paul that Sunday. It would have been like March 13th or something like that. Two days later, I was going to fly back to Colorado. She was going to go up to see our kids in Duluth. And she said, Wayne, I need to see my doctor. So two o'clock in the morning, I'm on the phone with Delta, changing my flight, getting her on the flight. Uh, we are, I'm going to Denver for <clears throat> ECFA board meetings. And so I get to the meeting and Norma calls the doctor will see me right away. And the doctor said, uh, the cancer has come back more aggressively than anything I've ever seen. She said, sometimes when these cancer cells recess, go into recessive, they come roaring back stronger than ever. So the next day was surgery. Uh, the doctor came out of the operating room, said Norma has six to 12 months. And so I had to call the daughters, call Norma's parents who were in their 90s, call Norma's best friend and say, we're, we're going to lose Norma. Uh, Norma didn't last 12 months. She didn't last six months. In 17 days, she was gone that fast. Wow. And uh, it was a horrible, horrible 17 days going through all the stuff mm. with that. So she died on um, April 3rd, 2014. Um, if you remember, Todd, 700 people came to St. Paul. Yeah, the funeral. yeah it was yeah, spectacular. We Church was packed. Yeah. It showed, yeah. <laughs> showed the love and admiration yes. people had for her. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you guys had just such a beautiful relationship. I know it's still hard to talk about it. And I mean, grief is a lifelong process of, of sorts. Were you ever tempted to be bitter about the whole thing? Because you guys are best friends. You're, you're Well, you know, one of the saddest moments I remember in Norma's last week or so, she said, I was so looking forward to growing old together. And that just broke my heart when she said that. Uh, after she passed away, it was such when she died, it was such a beautiful, holy moment. It's beyond description. When we could, uh, Christy and Michelle and I were standing around her, holding her hand, singing hymns, quoting scripture, and finally releasing her from this broken world into the presence of the Lord. And immediately she breathed her last. But the presence of her spirit, this made it sound a little weird, the presence of her spirit lingered in that room for mm. minutes. Mm. I don't know how many, five minutes, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, that wasn't Norma there anymore. She was not there. That was her, as her friends had her earthly tent that was folded up and put away. She didn't need that anymore. It was lonely for sure. There's no question about that. And I grieved and I was lonely, but we'd been grieving for a year actually. Mm -hmm. And, but God's presence has never been so real to me as it was during those lonely days, those lonely nights coming to an empty house at the end of the day and turning on Mary Beth Carlson's wonderful piano music and opening God's word and feeling God's presence so strongly. It was a holy, holy time that I, I can't even begin to describe. Were there questions why? If somebody had asked me what's the worst thing that could happen to you, I would have said losing Norma. And when the worst thing that could happen to you happens, God is very near. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod 
and your staff, they comfort me. You have to have a strong faith and a love and a trust for God to to walk through it like that. So just back up, if you don't mind, where did that faith journey first begin? How did you first get connected with God so that at this time when you needed him most, you knew he would be there for you? Well, as a good Lutheran, I was baptized as a baby and went through confirmation and uh, had a uh, you know, youth group, were very, very involved in church. I was a good church boy yeah, at church. You know, the old ladies who passed. <laughs> Wait a minute. I caught that. At church. <laughs> at church. At yeah. church, he was a good boy. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, church and a good boy. Okay, that was the point. <laughs> and with my family as a hardworking farm boy, when I was yeah. junior high and early high school, I was a rascal. I did a lot of things. I'm embarrassed to talk about. I can't about. imagine really? that way. Okay, I just we can't imagine hear. it. We the, want to hear the that The language stuff. I used, the stories I told, the antics that I pulled yeah. uh, were... The terror of fertile Minnesota, Wayne Peterson. <laughs> I mean, I didn't smoke or chew or go with girls that do, but you know, it was not God-honoring. We went to a Bible camp in Alexandria, Minnesota. And on the way home on the church bus from that Bible camp, one of the girls in our bus started to cry one of the good church girls, and said, I don't know that my sin's forgiven. I don't know my if I'm going to heaven. Mm. And we, in our own way, as kids, prayed with her, and she confessed her sin. She was a lot of tears. She cried and accepted Jesus. And I went to my seat in the bus, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but clearly God spoke to my inner spirit, Wayne, I want to use you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with religious people that don't know me personally. Mm, And that's been my lifelong calling Mm. to share the gospel of grace of salvation to church people that don't have a personal relationship with Christ, good religious people that don't know Jesus. That was a real breakthrough for you in your own faith journey, right? Because you went from, you went from religion to passion for Jesus. Yeah. And what happened, you know, I always thought this is a, a little rabbit trail. I always wanted to be a radio announcer. That was my goal to be a DJ. I loved radio. I loved music. I loved all that. So ever since I was, uh, you know, elementary, I wanted to be a radio announcer. So I thought that if you surrendered your life to the Lord, you'd have to be a missionary or a pastor or something. And I think that's what kind of held me back so long from really embracing Christ. Mm. So that night when I heard God's voice, I thought, okay, I guess I'm going to be a pastor. You know, so uh, I began that journey to uh, prepare to be a minister or a pastor thinking that's what you had to be if you were really dedicated to God. I, I later found out differently, and we'll get into that. But but that was that was when I turned from seeking self and pleasure and my own ambitions to, okay, what does God have for me? Mm. I think that's such a good word, Wayne, because I, I, I think there are a lot of people in the church that still kind of think that way. Like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to go on missions trips. I'm going to have to devote my entire life, you know, sell my home, just completely change everything. But you can be, um, you know, like you were in media. So media missionary, there's different workforce, workplace missionary. So there's so many ways to uh, be that missionary. And I love that that's your heart. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you have developed a real intimacy with the Lord so that you can trust him through anything. And that was proven when you had the loss of the woman you wanted to go to your grave with. And, and especially in such an unexpected way. And, Yet you pulled into God, and He seemed to give you a real life opportunity for you to find out how willing are you to really truly trust Him, and what is next, right? Well, C.S. Lewis in one of his books says, "You know, do we really believe what we say believe about life, 
death, resurrection, heaven. If we really believe what we preach and teach and say we believe, we should rejoice and realize how short this life is and how significant eternal life with the Lord can be. That's that's a good word to celebrate. So during this time, I'm just going to go back. Were, were there times where you were just really questioning God as well, even though you were in that place of, okay, I know this is a celebration time. Did you still question? Because you had these plans together. So was it like, now what, God? What 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 do you want me to do now? Yeah, well, we prayed for healing. Yeah. Uh, all during this time, we trusted God. I, I firmly believed till the very end, Norma was going to be healed. Yeah. And I was the cheerleader saying, no, you know, Norma would say, I think this is eventually going to get me. And I say, no, we can't give up hope. We got to trust. We got to believe we're going to beat this thing, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Almost to the point where I think I was insensitive to the fact that she knew she was dying. And, uh, you know, that uh, I have a little regret about that. But nonetheless, I was her cheerleader during that time. But did I have doubt? Yeah, we, we had plans. We had prayed. God didn't answer our prayer the way we asked for. Uh, we wanted to serve together. We want to do all these things. We had nine grandkids we wanted to enjoy together. And yeah, you do ask the, the why or how come. I don't try to sound sanctimonious in this. It was more like, okay, God, this is rough, but what's next? I mean, Norma's in heaven with Jesus, which is way better than being here with Wayne. You know, <laughs> yeah. what's what's next? And and the fact that you were uh, the cheerleader of, you're going to get healed. I believe, I believe, I believe. And the fact that she was here 17 days versus a year, what a gift, honestly, that she did not have to suffer all that time. Mm. And I know you know that and, and experience that now. So that is uh, having that celebration that, that God God had her best interest in mind, for sure. No matter how long you and how hard you cheered, he knew. <laughs> we'll talk about her later, but Willie, uh, God brought Willie into my life. As my, uh, we're married now. Uh, Willie went through cancer at the exact same time Norma did. And Willie likes to say, we both survived cancer. Norma is just in a different geographical location. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's wow. so good. I mean, we can talk about that strong. now. That's so good because Willie is is so amazing. And we were so grateful yeah. that, I mean, it, it is a God-ordained uh, union. I mean, it, it's it's like Norma blessed the the union as well. And it's just uh, beautiful to see you guys together. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, because uh, I, I'm guessing that you didn't have that next on your expectations list. Like, okay, I lost Norma. <laughs> What's next? So what, what happened in the process of, uh, as you were, you know, going through your grief process and trusting God, learning to grow deeper in him. And along comes Willie. Well, uh, Norma and I had met Willie in Africa in 2010. Uh, We were building a clinic outside of Accra, Ghana, and uh, Willie's church sent a work team over to help build this station and uh, this clinic. And we dedicated a couple of radio stations. So uh, Norma and I knew Willie and Willie knew Norma and me, and we were friends. We were not, you know, real close friends, but we were acquaintances. We saw each other at church. Uh, Willie was a realtor. We'd go to our open houses, that type of a thing. So never in our wildest dreams did we ever imagine we'd be married someday. But uh, God miraculously brought us together. I wasn't looking for a maid. I was looking for companionship and friendship and that type of thing. But, But it was so obvious and if you want to hear the story, I'll tell you how God brought us together. Oh, yeah. please. Yeah. Yes, because we just love Willie. Willie was a donor to HCJB, Reach Beyond. 
And so uh, we had a donor event for local uh, donors here in Colorado Springs. And she said, I, I can't come. I'm out of town. And I said something like, well, let's do coffee sometime because I always take care of my donors. She thought it was, uh, you know, a, a date. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, it was on Nor this is the ironic part. Norman, my wedding anniversary was September 14th. Uh, I was preaching at the Broadmoor Chapel here in Colorado Springs on our anniversary. And then that afternoon, I was going to go running with John Fugler. We were going to go running together. And I had like this six hours in the middle. I didn't know what to do. I go to my uh, computer and there is a text message from Willie. She sent the night before. I hadn't seen it. Said, just wondering how you're doing. You lost your best friend. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. And I quickly answered back because I knew she was a mountain hiker. I said, hey. I'm not doing anything. Let's go for a hike. So uh, we go hiking here in Colorado. She tells her story of her cancer and going through it alone with no husband, mm -hmm. no family around, yeah. no parents around. And how did she go through cancer all alone with surgery, chemo, radiation? Mm -hmm. She asked me, how is it to lose your wife of 45 years? How do you do that? We're crying. We're laughing. We're mm -hmm. praying. And it was an immediate, deep emotional and spiritual connection. We went over to the Broadmoor and drank coffee for four hours. <laughs> and uh, she drove home thanking God for introducing her to her husband. Wow. wow. I'm a guy. It took wow. me for about okay. four days to realize that I <laughs> right, wanted right. her in my life. But we knew right away. That's so proud. Did she make That's a bigger awesome. donation also to the <laughs> ministry? Or? I think she stopped giving. <laughs> Of course. In that way. <laughs> oh, man. That is a really beautiful story. Of how I lost a donor, but connection. I want a wife. Right. <laughs> there you go. That, that's a good book title. That's I like better it. Deal. <laughs> lost uh, a donor, but want a wife. Well, Wayne, we could, we could listen for a long time to you just talking about relationships and the richness in relationships and, and also the intimacy, uh, having with, the intimacy we have with God and what the benefits are of that. But I'm also aware, too, as we discuss this, this whole idea of loss and how to handle it and how to break through to freedom and opportunity, that there are so many people, especially in the last year or two, who have lost jobs. And I know you can relate to that. And there are still people struggling to find the job and still grieving over the one that they had, maybe the, the, the job they really loved, and now it's dried up, it's gone. So tell us your experience of losing a job or jobs and mm -hmm. what, what the result was. Well, uh, I had been at KTIS for 34 years, and I, I thought I would retire there. Uh, while I was uh, VP for broadcasting at Northwestern, I was uh, on the executive committee and actually chairman of the board of NRB, National Religious Broadcasters. So I was serving that uh, dual role. One day, Brant Gustafson, who is the president of NRB, called me and said, Wayne, I've been diagnosed with cancer and I have two months to live. And my first thought, oh my, I have to find a president for NRB to replace right. Brant Gustafson, who is yeah. an icon. Yes. And um, little did I realize that eventually I would be that person. Uh, the, the board went through the process of searching. I was very happy with my job at Northwestern, uh, but I had to ask God, is this right? In fact, I asked Ron Klein, who was uh, president of HCJB, Ron, what would you do? And he said, just let God decide. Keep your name in, but let God decide. So I followed that. So in October of that year, um, the uh, executive committee hired me as president of National Religious Broadcasters. 
And uh, so uh, we uh, we kept our house in Twin Cities, bought a place in D.C. area, and I began my serving as uh, president of NRB. I love the job. I thought I was perfect for the job. Uh, I love serving a large organization, being in front of people, uh, running, you know, this uh, this whole uh, working with my colleagues of many years in broadcasting. Along the way, I did an interview with the Minneapolis Star Tribune. After I thought the interview was over and I was talking to the reporter and she was asking for about religion and politics, why is NRB so involved in politics? And I made the statement that I think we need to be more focused on getting the gospel out than we are about changing the politics. She, unbeknownst to me, quoted me in the article. All heck broke loose, and yeah. some of the uh, some of the members of NRB that were strongly involved in political and the Christian right uh, started attacking me and said, "We don't want this guy as head of NRB." Long story short, I ended up losing my job, and with uh, some power plays by some of the power brokers there, it was deeply disappointing because I loved the job. I had left a job I loved than uh, that I had had for thirty four years to do this and uh, thought I was following God's will, and five months later, it's over. That's when I asked God, what was that all about? Did I hear correctly? I I just think it's interesting sometimes how God will take us from something that we love to something else that we love, and then allow that to fall through the cracks like this happened, so He can have His greater for you, even, you know? So, so, but how did you handle that disappointment? Because that, that's tough. Well, and it was, and it was, uh, and I'll just say it. I mean, it was, it was unfair, at least from many perspectives. Uh, a comment like that, when you say, "Well, I really feel the priority is, you know, sharing the gospel of Jesus," uh, in in many circles would ch- would be just, "Yeah, let's go," when they would champion that. But you, you're right. We were at a political time there where the agenda wasn't. I mean, it was. It didn't exclude sharing the gospel, but it needed to include being politically uh, forceful, if you will. And that would have been a terrible tension to have to deal with. I, I know you didn't expect it would end in loss of the job. It was very public. It was in the newspapers and the magazines and in media. Uh, I had hundreds, I mean, literally hundreds of NRB people say, you said the right thing. We needed to hear that. NRB needs to focus on the priority of the gospel. Um, but, you know, part of this is kind of maybe knocking some pride out of me. I love being in front of people. I love the big title. I love speaking and leading and uh, in the, the prestige of the job. And, I mean, this whole thing just knocked the snot out of my pride. I mean, really. And uh, Norma and I were driving back to Minneapolis on a cold February, dragging our sorry butts from Washington, D.C. to Minneapolis. And we stayed overnight in Indianapolis, got up in the morning, drove on some terribly icy roads between Indianapolis and Chicago, turned on the radio, heard Moody Radio and Erwin Lutzer. Erwin Lutzer was preaching on Joseph, how Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. And I had been betrayed by friends that I've had for years and years, how they sold him into slavery. And I was, you know, sold to this whole thing. And when the brothers came back, he said to them, what you intended to harm, God intended for good. And uh, Norma and I were just driving and crying. That's the answer. What others intended for harm, God intended for good. And the ironic part of this, a few years later, I was head of Moody Radio, and Irwin Luster was our pastor. Wow. (laughs) Wow. But that was a turning point on the road to Chicago, Mm. hearing that voice and saying, 
God is using this in your life. Just wait mm-hmm. and see. Mm-hmm. Yes, just wait. I and think see. that's the key right there is just being uh, being open and aware of the new opportunities that God can bring. You had no idea what that might be, and you're still kind of going through your own grief. And that's what I want to just ask you about for a moment here, because again. Loss is loss, whether it's you know unfairly uh, given or or just circumstantial. There are people right now who are really really hurting over that the loss of that job that they thought was going to you know turn out altogether different. Can you help them kind of walk through that process? Gosh, it's not easy. I'm not saying that there's any magic formula. I I don't mean to gloss over this and say it's just great. It's not. It's painful. You know, the writer of Hebrews says the discipline is painful when it happens. There's no denying the pain. And uh, Jesus said, have no doubt, in this world, you will face tribulation. Mm. But he says, I have overcome the world. And the writer of Hebrews says that painful discipline produces good fruit in our lives. So you have to have the patience and the trust to work Mm. through the hard times endure them, keep your focus on the Lord, not on the circumstances. Like Peter, keep your eyes on Jesus, not on the waves, and get through it. And to recognize that I can either get really bitter about this and get mad and get mad at God and get all bundled up, or I can use this, okay, God, what do you have for me? What do I need to learn from this? I ask that many times, what can I learn from this? Mm. And what do you have for me next? And in terms of my own career, even though I love the NRB job, God led me to incredible opportunities with Moody in Chicago, and with HCJB in Colorado Springs, traveling to all five continents continually, putting on hundreds of thousands of miles and meeting people that I could never have imagined uh, possible. So, uh, I don't want to do be too Pollyannish about this, because in this life, we don't always see the good things that come out of tragedy. Mm-hmm. And some of it we'll only know when we get to be in God's presence and we no longer see through a glass darkly, we'll see face to face. And then actually it won't even matter anymore because we're with Jesus and all that junk. You know, uh, Paul said it's not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think about how it is so common for most people to focus on the problem yeah. instead mm-hmm. of focusing on uh, the possible outcome and and sticking with the, the having a solution oriented mindset. And so um, with that, I mean, without being Pollyanna or any of that and, and saying that, yes, it's tough. Do you have like a, a one, two, three, here's what you need to do first. You know, like, do you write out what you're grateful for? Do you write out the pros and cons of, of where, what you came out of and where you desire to go. I mean, is there some kind of applicable thing that someone can practically do? Aside from the obvious of get tight with God. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Number one. Secondly is uh, go to your support group. And I've been incredibly blessed. Todd knows this meeting every month with a group. And Todd has done this with a different group meeting with a group of six men, six men to pray together, share everything together uh, they're my 2 a.m. friends. In fact, one of them in the group, I'll name him, Leith Anderson, said, Wayne, here's my cell phone. You can call me at 2 in the morning if you need to. You know, those kinds of friends. And I'll never forget my the lunch meeting I had right after Norma's death, how they gathered around me, placed their hands on me, prayed for me, cried with me. So go to your support group uh, would be second. 
Third is press forward. Paul said, forgetting the things that lie behind, not that you ever forget, but press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So keep looking forward. You know, we can eat up our lives either looking back with regret or looking forward with anxiety, and we shouldn't do either one. We need to look forward with hope, knowing that God is in charge of our lives. He is sovereign. And uh, Romans 8.28 is not just a cliche. God works all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Very, very encouraging words. That's a great one, two, three punch, by the way. It'll be in our show (laughs) notes if you want to review on that, because that was... That That's was good. well said. Hey, listen, before we let you go, um, I, I want you to just touch on what it really means to finish well in your relationship with God and everything you do on this planet. Uh, not that, you know, it, it will end for you soon. Uh, nobody knows when it's going to end. You're, you're in your early 70s, and you're probably going to go well into your hundreds. So you've got to still a ways on the journey. But what do we do to prepare now to really finish strong with God and and make sure we take advantage of this opportunity that gives every one of us every day to leave a legacy. Uh, I was told that the fourth quarter of our lives can be the most productive, the most uh, satisfying seasons of our life. Football games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, we see many in ministry that don't do well in the fourth quarter and they lose the game. That's unfortunate. Uh, working with uh, colleagues like uh, Ken Larson of Slumberland and Robert Wogemuth, we were talking. Robert uh, just wrote a book called The Gun Lap. If you're a runner in a race, you know, there are four laps, and the gun sounds when you start out, and before the fourth lap, a gun sounds. That's mm. the gun lap. Mm. And uh, Robert has written a book about that. How are you going to do in the fourth lap of your life? Oh, that's good. That's really and good. what I have found, uh, I talk about career in four seasons. One is worker. You're on front lines, you're doing everything hands-on, you're running the controls, carrying out the garbage, you're doing the, you know, whatever, hands-on work. Secondly, if you're good, you get promoted to management, and then you're doing your work through others. Others do the work, but you're managing them. And then, so a worker, manager, and then leader. If you get to the place where in your leadership, you're responsible for creating a culture, helping create a strategy and a focus and a passion and a direction. The fourth quarter is influence. Mm. I'm no longer running a large $50 million organization that I was once doing, but I am having opportunity through the boards that I serve on, uh, through the consulting that I do, through the podcast that you're on, the coming podcasting, (laughs) have the, uh, opportunity to make an influence that's not dependent on being a supervisor or Mm. manager. It's a great season, and I can choose what I want to do, not what I have to do, which is a good thing, but now to invest in the lives of others. When you get old, people think you know something, and they call and say, I need some help. Will you mentor me? Will you help? And so that's the season we're in. I want to finish strong. I have more energy now than I've ever had in my life. I think I have a good bit more wisdom than I had when I was a silly 30-year-old that thought I knew everything. And uh, this is a season with the energy and the wisdom that comes from God. Totally. I'm, when I'm consulting or whatever, I'm amazed at what comes out of my mouth. And I know it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit <laughs> yeah. giving me that wisdom. Yeah. So it's a tremendous season. And Willie and I have a fabulous marriage. We have a fabulous ministry. We have a happy, glorious life together. And we're moving to Florida. 
We're moving from cold Colorado to hot, humid Naples, Florida, and starting a new season. So in a way, we feel we're just beginning. Wow. That is so So cool. you're not sure if it's the gun lamp or the start of the race because you oh, keep right. shifting in these seasons of life. But I think that's great. Those yeah, are great words. Does Wayne. the gun have a different tone at the at whichever lap you're <laughs> yeah. at? Oh, that's, that's so good. great, Wayne. You are just um, amazing at all that God has um, allowed you to do through the course of your life thus far and you're just getting started like you said you're, mm. you've got more energy than ever and you've made such an impact in many and you will continue to do so and you have yes. and uh todd and i and we can't wait to see you and willie in florida sometime soon but um god bless you thank you for sharing today thank you for sharing how we can um overcome loss and see it uh, mm-hmm. as, as God sees it, not as we see it in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that even in this uh, relationship with Todd, it's kind of like, Todd, we're circling back to the stuff, you know, we used to do on a high intensive level 30 years ago. And that's another thing that happens in the for- fourth quarter. You reconnect with longtime friends. Which yes, is really yes. I'll cheer you on. You cheer me on. And together okay. we'll cheer everybody else that's on. Good. That's, that's good. That's good. All right, All my friend. Right. Hey, we thank you, you for being on the show. Yes. And uh, we will talk to you soon. God bless. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Wayne. Wayne. Wow. All right. What a great interview. He's a, such a special man, huh? Yeah. You know, I have really, I've valued a lot from our friendship over the years and uh, I never stopped learning. And I know this guy pretty well inside and out, Yeah. but he'll still drop some, uh, some wisdom bombs on me. <laughs> like he did. Like I want to go back and listen to this podcast because some of this thing, some of these things that he said are, they have such richness in their meaning and so relevant in their application. Right. And listener friend, I hope that's uh, that's been true for you today that you'll find application for your life as you go through various seasons and various losses. Yes. And I love that there's that season of the fourth quarter and finish strong. Mm. I love that uh, analogy. So thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we hope you'll share this with your friends and your family and uh, you'll give us a rating and a review. But thanks so much for, for just joining us each and every week right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough. We'll catch you next time. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. 